Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, welcome to another Curious Conversation. With just a few episodes left in this season of Professional AF, I'm so excited to share this dialogue about Brene Brown's book, Rising Strong, with my therapist, Candy Smith. You remember Candy from earlier this season when we talked about shame and then another episode on vulnerability. If you haven't had a chance to listen to those episodes, please go back. They are amazing. Candy has been a licensed therapist for several decades. She specializes in working with adults and children with trauma. That's how I met her. And every time we talk, I learn so much about the world, about people, about myself. In Rising Strong, Brene shares a simple truth. If we apply her previous lessons that Candy and I have discussed, and we are brave enough, often enough, then we are gonna fall. Rising Strong is a book about what it takes to get back up and how owning our stories of struggle gives us the power to write a daring new ending. Candy and I are going to discuss why you should encourage yourself to make three mistakes a day, how to properly mourn and say goodbye to a failure, why our expectations, even if we aren't aware of them, are a pathway to disaster and how to build your shame resilience. Before we get to the show, please take a second to like and review the show wherever you listen to it. Your stars give me wings, and they help me put out amazing content like this interview with Candy Smith. Candy, welcome back. Thank you very much. We're here to talk about rising strong and on getting up after something goes really wrong. And I'm actually thinking about making this the theme of the next season of the show, of really making professional AF be about what it's like to be awesome and professional and still mess up all the time. So think about it like failing your way to success. That's the new theme or motto that I want to try. So Candy, I would love to start with a professional AF moment of yours, something professional that maybe didn't go well or was embarrassing, and yet it made you much better at your job. Oh, good question. So we can start with this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have to go too far back. (laughs) No, I got one. And I just want to put in there before I tell you this little story. I encourage myself and my clients to try to make three mistakes a day. We've all seen that little sticker that people put on their fridge. I have that sticker because it's that important to me to be able to make mistakes. So I was working with a client this morning and she was talking about her trauma. And I was listening to her, but I was also thinking about doing this podcast on Rising Strong. <laughs> so, um, so I brought up something that I wasn't attuned to her. I brought up something that confused her because I thought it related to her story and it just confused her. And, and I knew it. And I sat there and I thought, I don't have to, well, I don't have to say, I'm sorry. I took you on a on a goose chase that wasn't yours. It was mine. And she would have been just fine. And at the same time, 
I know that's an opportunity, like a beautiful learning opportunity. So I could tell I confused her and she was trying to put it in. And she even said something like, oh, my brain is going in three different places now. I was like, "Uh (laughs) Uh uh-huh, because I just passed out. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So I said to her, I said, okay, I said, as it's going in three places, I want to really apologize because I think I took you in one of those places and it wasn't yours. It was mine. Yeah. And she just looked at me and people are so kind. So she was like, no, 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 I think this is good. And I was like, it's it's all good. It's food for the fodder. And at the same time, I made a mistake. I was not attuned. I was not paying attention to you. I was thinking about, I was paying attention, but I was trying to weave in something that was about me. So that's a good example from this morning. Yeah. And you don't have to walk around all day thinking about it. Nope. No. Nope. Right. No. And there's such a freedom in resilience building because I just, I named it. I put it out there in the universe, no shame. And, um, and then what you get back is usually not what you're expecting, right? Because when we're in the shame cycle, oh my God, I just did that. I, oh, you know, that was so bad. And right. Instead of going there, I named it and then People are kind. She was so kind. And I was like, and I soaked that in too. I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. I love that story. So I believe that our greatest personal growth often comes from something going wrong. Do you agree with that? I do. Okay. Well, I did not used to believe that. Oh, interesting. Right. So not until I had enough things go really wrong and I saw the growth afterwards. So how do you communicate that to people if they're young and they're experiencing a big failure professionally for the first time, or maybe it's not the first time, but they just don't believe that, you know, the failure is going to lead to something really positive. And I think that's a good question about how do you communicate that to somebody? Because sometimes I think we use platitudes, right? Like, oh, well, you know, use that as a learning lesson or which can feel really abrupt and not attuned and unkind because people really want you to hear their pain, right? And if we look at it from the Rising Strong book from Bernays, it sort of goes into this is a place where you have an opportunity to rumble, right? The reckoning is the problem. You've just had this great failure or this, you know, thing that's very painful. And we're able to name that, you know, reckon with it, but let's now, are you courageous enough, curious enough that maybe we can sit with the pain and, and actually just see what happens next, right? Because that's where the wisdom usually comes. That's where the knowing, that's where the kindness will come in and the ability for the revolution, for the next step, for the building of resilience. So how do you walk them through it? Somebody comes in and they say, I've been fired. Oh, yeah. So do you, yeah. what do you do? I go, ouch, eeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I, I connect with them, right? And I start listening, you know? Like, what stories are you making up about that? You know, as Brene would say, what's your, what's your shitty first draft you're up to writing right now about being fired? You know, I want to know. I want to be curious. I want to encourage them to be curious. And I want to encourage them to go slow enough to actually feel what being fired feels like. Because a lot of us just get right back into back on the horse and I'm going to do this now and that. And what do I do? And 
right? But this is the problem. It's painful to get fired. It's, there's a, I've been fired. It's a lot. There's a lot of stuff happening there. Why is it so important to work through? Like if they're like, you know what? I'm just going to go look for open job positions and that'll make me feel better because I'll feel productive. Well, that sounds like logical and reasonable and okay, great. You know, go for it. Right. And at the same time, there is a, a, a wealth of, of feelings, of sensations, of experiences that go along with getting fired. And if you are not present with those, you're going you're gonna to look for a job that doesn't fit you. You're going to, you know, go back into a place that's not welcoming or expanding. So it's really important to do that kind of work. And not everybody sees the importance of that. One of the things that I was thinking about is I read the book and it's something that came up in a previous conversation with Denise Scholl this season is the need to grieve failure, which we're kind of talking about. So I was thinking about coming up with a worksheet. Of course, I'm like a total (laughs) brain person, Uh, a worksheet or a tool to help people work through a failure. Yes. So can you help me come up with some good reflection questions as we as we mourn or grieve or say goodbye to a failure? Well, with grief, right, we know a lot about grief. And people think about grief as if somebody's died, then I'm going to give myself those three days to grieve, just JK. Um, But so we know there are those stages and that they don't go in order. But when I'm when I am working with somebody and I know that part of this is the grief process, then I'm always looking at making room for sadness, which we all understand with grief, but also anger, right? People don't understand that they're going to get angry and they don't allow for anger. It's a very important part of the grieving process. Bargaining. Oh, that's a good one, right? That's that shitty first draft that Brene talks about. You know, it's like I'm in my head going, well, what if I did? What if they did? What if I should have? Right. So really looking at what kind of bargaining is coming up? What kind of what story are you making up in your head? Right. Acceptance. I'm going to really look. For, that's probably going to be top of my list. I'm going to look for their resources, you know, people, places and things that they can use to help resource them through this time in their life when they're feeling like they're a failure out of balance. Their life is. So that would be the acceptance phase. Right. And then denial. So many people go into I'd be looking for that. But I don't know. I don't know how this happened. I, uh, it just happened, right? I'm like, okay, we're hanging out in denial here, right? Like, because uh, there were at least 10 red flags before that happened is my guess. And so really helping them go slow in a really titrated way, which means I don't want to blow them out of their denial. I want them to be able to, if they're in it, I want them to be able to hang in it for a while, opening up maybe little pieces slowly. So as part of the process, do you have people like, say goodbye to their past self and like hello to the to the new I don't know I always think about like you can't really grow until you say goodbye to whatever old version you had of yourself yeah and I think if this is the thing I don't think there's a one-stop shop for any of this like that may work for some people they can go that's sort of global I'm going to say goodbye to myself right that but then you actually have to do an inventory of yourself I mean and a lot of people I know 
aren't doing that kind of inventory. Yeah. It's just sort of like a quick goodbye. To me, that's not going to help me as I'm saying hello to my new self. If if I have a person who actually is willing and able and interested in that, I would go that way. But I don't think it's a one-stop shop. That's why I think kind of trying to hit all the little bullet points so you can kind of, I always look for where are they getting stuck. Like which one of the five phases of grief? Uh-huh. Or what couple of them. Uh-huh. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Brene talks about our expectations and the resentment that can result from it. Do you have any thoughts, like before we begin, on the danger of expectations? Yeah, I love the way Brene talks about expectations because they're like a pathway to disaster, right? <laughs> like, uh, row, row. And, and in her book, she talks about how she's going on a family trip with five books to read, right? And her husband, Steve, is smart enough to say, like, okay, let's be clear. We're going to Disney with all these kids, you know, like, let's look at your expectation. And once again, that's just having us slow down and even notice if we have any expectations, right? Like my kids are grown now, but when they were little, you know, someone told me family vacations were oxymorons, right? Like they're really not vacations. I was like, oh, I was expecting a vacation every time. And I'd be like frustrated, man, roaring, like this is no fun. Ah, when I got my expectations, like, you know, like, it's not really a vacation for me. I'm going to be like, you know, team leader here. And what are we doing? It's like, this is fun because I'm choosing to do this. I just have to lean into and choose it. So I had the same experience when my son was young. I was getting very frustrated at everything. All right. And I I went and talked to somebody and they said, you need to fix your expectations. Like instead of thinking the meal will go perfectly, you should expect the meal to go horribly bad. Right. And when it doesn't go as bad as you expected (laughs) it, like things will be better. And that in fact did help very much on the personal side. Right. But how do I throw myself wholeheartedly into a project, like right. something I'm passionate about and I believe in right. with no expectation, just being like, well, this is probably going to work out poorly. How do, I, how do I balance those two things? Well, one of my expectations is that it is going to work out poorly, right? I'm fine with having that expectation, but I'm also going to be curious about in what ways, right? In... And in what ways is it going to work out amazing? And in what ways am, is am I moving baby steps towards my passion, my project, right? So it's it's not that I'm looking for the shoe to drop. It's like when it drops, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I kind I kind of knew that shoe was a dropper, right? But there's also all these other pieces along the way that I am present for. I'm curious about. And not that I have expectations about them, but I have movement towards, I have passion moving into, I have curiosity, right? Because if we get caught in resentment, we're in our fear brain, we're going to lose our curiosity, we're going to lose our courage, we're going to lose our ability to keep moving. So maybe you're saying, don't expect it to be amazing at the end, be open to whatever it is. Exactly. And be more curious about what it is. Because I think that's what a lot of us don't do. We don't slow down enough to know what it is, right? Because if we're making a meal for our kids, 
you know, I mean, I have three of them and I, I knew one of them would be like, just eat whatever was there. The other one would be like, I'm not eating it. And the other would be like catching on the wave of the other one. Well, I don't like this. Right. So you could kind of like predict and people say like, well, I don't really want to borrow trouble. I'm like, we're not borrowing trouble. We're helping our nervous system settle because if I know what is out here, right. I mean, if I have some awareness of my surroundings, I'm going to feel safer as I walk into them. Well, I will tell you one trick that she had in the book, which has helped uh, a lot of frustration on the weekends is uh, my husband and I talking about our expectations for the weekend or a trip before it happens. Beautiful. Because everybody's walking in hoping to get something out of the weekend or whatever free time. Right. But nobody's talking about it. See, we got to slow down. And we actually have to, even before we talk about it, we got to slow down and know what our expectations. We've been trained to not have needs, a lot of us. So if you don't have needs, you don't even know what your needs are. Right? We've been trained not to talk into the land of feelings. So if we don't even have an experience what our feelings are, we're ripe for resentment or anger or those easier feelings that we can offload on somebody instead of saying, I have a need, you know, this weekend, I'd like it to look like this. What are yours? I'm curious. I love it. I'm grateful to once again, this week, be able to talk about whoop the ultimate fitness tracker. Jason and I have not taken them off ever since we got them. It tracks how much sleep you're getting at night, your cardiovascular strain throughout the day and how recovered your body is to take on that strain. So one of the ways that it tracks cardiovascular strain is that when you work out, you can categorize what kind of workout it was. There's a bunch of choices. And I'm excited that now Whoop has this category that's like perfect for me and it's coaching because I coach our, our six-year-old son and, and his teams. And I, it is actually amazing what an incredible workout that is. Today, I picked coaching and then it processed it and it told me that I burned 1,400 calories coaching six-year-old basketball. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean... I, it was a waste that I worked out this morning. What's even more unbelievable is that the whoop recognizes when you have exerted yourself and asks you to categorize what it is that you did. It's like, hey, I see you've been working out the last hour. What, what were you doing? Whoop has provided an offer for our listeners to get 15% off your purchase with the code Diana. You just go to whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com. That's whoop.com and use the code Diana at checkout to save 15% and optimize the way you live. Balance the Superfood Shop provides 50% of your daily fruits and veggies in a convenient shot. When I take one of these, when I drink one of these, I like to think of myself as Popeye with spinach. Uh, like, you know, he would just pop open the spinach and then he would eat it. And then like, bam, he would just become super strong. That's how I feel when I have a balanced superfood shot. It doesn't take as long as it took him to eat a spinach. It also tastes way better than spinach. There are three different flavors. The foundation blend is a delicious, mildly earthy, sweet, and slightly tart shot. There's the turmeric blend, which is really good for inflammation. And then there's the immunity blend which is sweet and slightly tart berry. Yeah. And when I, you know, like Popeye, he would do it. And then like his biceps would turn into like little ships and anchors. I think mine turned into little tanks. Cause I was in the army. He was in the Navy. He was a sailor. I don't travel without these in my bag all the time. If I'm at a long client meeting or a day, I always have them in my backpack. Yeah. You're, well, I mean, 
you have to have them there for me because you're olive oil. <laughs> you go to superfoodshot.co, that's .co, and you enter Diana at checkout for 30% off your order. That's superfoodshot.co and enter Diana at checkout for 30% off your order. Okay, I think I did find one place where I disagree with Brene Brown, which is amazing in all the books. Yeah. And that is the subject of regret. So she says that to live without regret is to believe that you have nothing to learn, no amends to make, and no opportunity to be braver with your life. And I have always believed that all of my missteps are the, what make me the person who I am. And I guess I'm grateful for all the poverty I grew up in and all the professional failures that I've been responsible for, all of that creating me. And so isn't regret about saying, I wish or I should have, which are two like shame creating words that yeah. we've talked about are not good words. So help me square these two ideas. Well, you know, I struggled. That's so interesting. You struggle with that because I struggled with that, too, because I'm not a person who who holds on to regrets. I can think of like one or two when I'm 59 years old. So, I mean, they haven't really been something that I've held on to. So I have the same kind of, of response that you did. And the part that, that I took from her, she said, regret is a fair, but tough teacher. So then I have been, I'm like a scientist when I get something. So I've been playing with regret is a fair, but tough teacher. So I think maybe what she's saying is if, if we're not paying attention to these things in our past that have some regret qualities, right? Then we're not building our empathy. We're not building our awareness of our stuck places, places we're not proud of. Maybe we're not leaning into it enough, right? So my take from this, just as an explorer and as a learner, is to just be present for, okay, I'm going to lean into regret as a fair but tough teacher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely times in my life where yeah. I should have made a different decision. Right. And and maybe what she means by regret is just thinking, I should have done it differently. And what we're thinking about is regret is like we walk around holding on to all these regrets. Right, I think maybe that's it. Yeah, and so if we, I think if we've had awareness of it, Right. And a lot of people do come in and say, well, oh, I have all these regrets and, I, you know, and, and it, this is making me be more curious and which I probably already was. I don't know. Really <laughs> but um, now I have a, a quip to say. Yeah. It's Brene a says, fair but tough teacher. <laughs> Brene Brown. <laughs> you would be happy to know. Brene's very excited about all your regrets. OK, I love that. OK, so. A university has asked me to create a three-credit course on failure. Okay. If you were creating a course on failure, yes, how would you think about structuring it, or what experiences would you want the students to make sure they had? I would make sure that part of the course was encouraging failure, because I think our, as a culture we need to be encouraged to fail. And I think shame would have to be a part of this because I think part of an understanding is the is anyone who signs up or is courageous enough to teach or be part of that course that we would have to really name shame, have an understanding of shame because that is going to come up for a lot of people. 
well, for everybody probably. And I would just try to make it really experiential and have a lot of fun with it, right? Because I think everybody's going to learn from the courage of, you know, the first person who's sharing their shame story, right? I think this is going to be like a snowball rolling downhill. Well, let's break those apart. So yeah. let's start with the courage to fail. How do you encourage your um, clients to fail more? You have the, like, make, make three mistakes a day. How, how do you present that? Like, you're like, I have a prescription for you. Totally. And that's, uh, I have to get really, like, firm but friendly about that. You know, like, like I really want to encourage you to make three mistakes a day, right? And they can be little, they can be big, however you want to make them. And... Part of that is when you make them at the dinner table, I want you to share them, right? Because that's a big piece of our shame story. We're not sharing. We're not taking it into the light, right? And then I want you to notice what happens when you share them. That's another piece because we've got to slow down and notice when I share my shame story, right? Like my example of this morning, you know, I was a little bit, oh, shoot, I'm in a stuck. But when I shared it, I got a really kind, loving, compassionate response back. These, these pieces are really important. Now, what I do more specifically is I look for perfectionism. And Brene talks about perfectionism in this book, too. And especially people who really lead in that way. I am going to educate them about perfectionism, how it gets in our way. And that's probably going to be a part of your failure course, too. I would do a, a little module on perfectionism. And do, you, uh, do you think most people can self-diagnose? No. Okay. <laughs> no. No, because our ego gets in the way. Okay. We don't, we don't want, that's the rumble part of the story. We don't like really knowing how we're walking in the world. It's painful to, to know you're a perfectionist, right? Like you have to really go back and go, wow, how did I get that? Where did it come from? How long have I been doing it? Once again, once you do that, actually in your course, put a thing on loss too, because now here I have lost because I've lived like 40 years where I haven't been courageous enough to make mistakes. People go into this, this time of loss. And if they don't know what it is, they're going to be walking around unbalanced. But if they're like, okay. My teacher of this course said, when I start leaning into my failure, I'm going to feel loss. And this might be what it feels like. And you'll hear those as part of, uh, as part of these stories, right? So, and then I get real specific because I get to work one-on-one -on -one a lot. So, you know, like when I'm working with a teen who has gotten all A's, oh, I'm going after that one big time, <laughs> right? I'm like, before I see you next, I want you to get a B. C is even better. If you could fail, great, right? And they look at me like, what? It's never going to happen, right? But I've just put it into their realm of possibilities that it could and they wouldn't die. And this is the thing. Our survival brain thinks we will die if we're a perfectionist and we're not perfect. And imagine how much shame and blame and heaviness you're carrying around if you have those belief systems in you. I um, definitely uh, know a perfectionist and this person, when things weren't going well, has said, I feel like I'm dying. It's the truth. And that's another thing it, that could be in your class. too. People don't explain the brain to them because they have to ex understand, have an understanding of how the brain, the survival brain takes us into. That would be a threat, not being perfect. And it takes us into, I might die. Yeah. So those kind of things come up and you'll hear people, I just want to die. I'm so embarrassed. Well, 
they're not saying that lightly, even though it feels like, ha ha, funny. It's not really that funny. And you said encourage them to fail and then name shame and discuss it. Like, how do you bring up, I don't remember how it came up in our conversations, but how, how do you introduce it? It feels like it should be a part of every conversation in it your really office. should be, yeah. <laughs> oh, my word. How are you not like, here, read this book. Read these three books. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> you know, I love in this book, especially Brene Rising Strong, Brene talks about storytelling is part of our DNA. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And a good story has a beginning, a middle, and an end, right? And her beginning is the reckoning. Her middle is the rumble. Her end is the revolution. And I love the way those integrate and and tell a story. So it would be, my suggestion would be through storytelling. And I think you would have to start telling your own story. See, because we have mirror neurons where we're picking up people's feelings, literally. So if you're telling me a story, I am, I am empathizing. I am feeling your pain, your joy, your sorrow, whatever it is. So if you're telling me a shame story and you're helping me understand, this is really important to me, is that we understand how part of, if I was um, teaching the course, I would want everybody to understand their shame body. Like when I feel shame, I can name it as shame. It shows up in my body as almost electricity in my chest and in my jaw. And it has this really raw feeling of vulnerability, like, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. And it almost makes my head and my shoulders want to go down, like protecting my heart because it's so like I am bad, you know, like it's, that's such a heavy burden to carry. But I know how it expresses in my body because I've been doing this work. And so when I work with people, I I tell them hopefully small short stories about me because it is their time. But I'm telling them these stories because I want them to recognize that human condition I want to normalize this and encourage them then to have the courage to tell me or to tell their neighbor or tell their partner when they're experiencing shame and starting to recognize everybody has different body awareness of shame, but it, I guarantee you it'll show up the same time every way. You'll be like, oh yeah, that's my shame. Okay. Oh, yuck. Right. And then you lean into it. And then how do you walk them? I mean, we kind of started talking about this. How do you walk them through? like getting it out. So we, we get them to experience uh, these activities yes, and then talk about them. And yes. then how do they feel comfortable about having more of them and understand that this is like where magic comes from? Well, that's the piece where resilience, we're building resilience, right? I love Renee talks about building shame resilience. And I always think about, you know, building my muscles and my bones and my, connective tissue around shame, you know, like if I can experience shame, I can feel your shame and you didn't die. And I can feel in connection with another person, my shame, and I don't die. There's a memory center in our brain that goes, huh, Diana didn't die. Oh, okay. This one might not be so dangerous. Okay. Let's try another one of those. Right. So then the next one comes and you don't die. Your brain goes, oh, okay. Maybe this is one we don't have to feel so threatened about. Maybe this one is not a life and death one. 
And literally that's how it works. It takes, it takes experiential practice. That's why I said in the class, I would want it to be really experiential because I think, well, I know actually from science, you can't think your way through shame, right? You have to experience <laughs> it with other people in community. And that would be the greatness about having a course in that. NBKC has everything you need and nothing you don't. Jason, no minimum balance fees, no ATM fees at their money pass system, no foreign transaction fees. Very fancy. Hope you enjoyed the trip. Zero overdraft or insufficient fund fees. No stop payment fees. So here's why NBKC doesn't charge fees for banking. Banks don't actually need fees to function. And big banks just charge them because they can. So NBKC doesn't charge fees because they don't have to in order to be profitable. And they don't think that it makes any sense to charge customers for choosing them to keep their money safe. You just go to nbkc.com slash Diana and you'll find out why this bank is different. And if you sign up and open an account, you get a whole box of swag from the show, stuff that's not available for sale just because NBKC is so different and such an awesome bank. Again, that's nbkc.com slash Diana. Also, NBKC is a member of FDIC and an equal housing lender. That's important. Yes. You know, Jason, it's it's really hard to get back up after something bad happens when you have a bad mattress, when there's a big divot in the middle. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's so difficult to get back up because you're like a fish splashing around in that bad mattress. We should tell these people about purple. It's so different. I mean, you spring out of bed in the morning. It's probably going to feel different. Warning. It's going to feel different than anything you, you've experienced before. And that's because it's this brand new material. It was developed by an actual rocket scientist. Uh, it's it's not like the memory foam that I was used to when we started sleeping on a um, purple mattress. It is different. Which, by the way, you had a divot. Uh, yeah. And I, I I think I only got out of it like a week before we got the purple mattress. <laughs> like the people thought that I you took complain. some sort of sabbatical, but no, I was <laughs> stuck in that mattress. Uh, the purple material, it feels very unique because it, it's firm and it's soft at the same time. So it keeps everything supported. It still feels real comfortable and it's breathable. So it sleeps cool. Very cool. You get a hundred night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. You get a 10 year warranty and free shipping and returns. And right now, our listeners get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to all the great stuff that they have online. You just text Diana, that's D-I-A-N-A, to 84888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text Diana to 84888. That's D-I-A-N-A to 84888. A lot of times in corporate America, they talk about the fears being like the root of all, all kinds of issues. Fear of failure, fear of just being seen as incompetent, like all, all kinds of things. Fear of success sometimes. Sure. Do you think this- Fear of love and being loved. Really? Big one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like- this kind of training is important for getting rid of any kind of fears in a person's life, like like uh, little by little resilience training where they take baby steps in whatever area. I don't know. No, I do. I think it's a it's a key factor, right? Because yeah, like I mean, really, if we think about failure, we could fail all the time if there wasn't the fear around. I'm bad or I'm stupid or I'm wrong or I'm a fraud or 
right? Like fear, 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 right? So if we don't have those kind of things, we just have failure. So we're really working this wholeheartedness, this whole person as we're in this course about failure. I mean, I wish they had this course in high, I hope they'd take it to high school, <laughs> right? Jun- Actually, junior high is probably where they need it. I don't know. Uh, well, I love that. And I love what you said about having a community to experience this with. So the professional AF like Facebook group is yeah. now like hundreds of people. Yeah. And I, I find that taking something that I'm ashamed of is a great way to feel much better about it. So the other day I uh, was cleaning in the kitchen and I discovered in my oven some green beans that I had cooked like five days ago <laughs> and just left them there. <laughs> that happens. And and so I immediately felt shame. Mm-hmm. Like, what a horrible mom I am. And like, how do you feel it in your body? Like, oh, just, just like in say- my chest and my and my my shoulders came down. I was just like, oh, I'm the worst. You see? And then, like, nobody does this. Who does this? Right. I'm the only one. Yes. And so then I fought the shame instinct and I took a photo of it and I posted it nice. in the Facebook group. And then nice. everybody's like, oh, I just did that. I, did, mm-hmm. I left groceries in the back of the car for overnight, you know? Beautiful. And you can see if we slow this down, you can hear your shitty first draft. I'm horrible, but a bad mom. I'm the only one who does this. There's that shitty first draft that you got to slow down and look at and rewrite. So if you were rewriting it, and you don't have to do this now if you don't want to. Yeah. It's kind of vulnerable, but. No, I'm happy to. You see? What would what would that sound like? I cook home-cooked meals. <laughs> <laughs> and so much. <laughs> and slow down and notice what just happened in your body. Yeah. Notice how you just got bigger. Your shoulders went back. And there was affect. I mean, there's these beautiful tears in Diana's eyes that look like. Like, I'm proud of me tears, you know? About the green beans. Yes, which is an antidote to shame. Yeah. Well, that is uh, that is awesome. Did you have any other thoughts on Rising Strong? You brought your notes. Anything that we didn't cover <laughs> that you want to talk about? Well, I'm, I'm really, I really love that piece about the storytelling, right? And I think it's really important we talk about the rumble. Because the rumble part of the story is the part that's most missing, according to Brene's research and according to how I see people walking in the world. So we come in with the problem, which is the reckoning, right? And we can see that problem, but the rumble. And in order to rumble, Brene says you have to be really courageous, which is one of my favorite words and really curious because when we get stuck in trauma, when we get overwhelmed, we lose our courage. We get flight, fight, and freeze on board, right? And we lose our ability to be curious and to keep moving and to moving through our story and having a really rich, deep story. And I had a little guy, um, he comes to see me, he's about eight years old and he's a very deep thinker and he has very big feelings. And he's planning on being an author when he grows up and he's a voracious reader and he tells me stories from his books all the time. And one of the times I was talking to him about his rumble, right? Because he comes to see me and we get seeped in his rumble part of his story, right? And what he said to me, and Brene talks about this in the book too, he says, he goes, Miss Candy, he goes, it's like in a, in a book, we always need an antagonist, right? We need a villain. We can't just have all the heroes, right? Otherwise the story wouldn't be interesting. And then he looked at me from like the wisdom of the babes and he said, Miss Candy, he goes, um, it's okay for me to have these villains in, in my story. And I was like, yeah, I think it's really important. 
because you have a rich, deep story. And I am so excited to keep hearing, to know you. Yeah. And I mean, just so profound from a little guy. And I'm like, thank you, God, little guy, universe. I don't know. But what an honor to have him understand, you know, and his pain is painful and it shows up in his school and in his family and his life. And people don't understand him because he's he's got a lot of really deep feelings and a lot of dark feelings. And but man, what an amazing person to know. I'm honored to know him and his courage to rumble. Yeah. Which is to tell the story of how you feel about the situation. It's to own it. About what it means about you and who you are and what you're... be honest about our struggle. It's almost like in our rumble, we're doing a reality check of our narrative. We're taking the ego and saying, okay, take a little rest here. And let's, let's do a reality check on our narrative. Because a lot of the time, I feel like we're very fast to come up with stories to explain things that don't go well. But you're saying this is a different kind of story. This is a different kind of story. This is the reality checking of that story. Because a lot of times the fastness is our shitty first draft. What we want to do is we want to, you know, kindly with compassion mark that up and really get curious about, get honest about our struggle. And so just help me understand how, like, this rumble is different. Let's say I got fired and either... I say, like, I'm the worst. I yep. don't deserve to ever work again. Or I say, like, they're the worst. Right. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing at that place. <laughs> right. So, see, we get we get curious about that, right? Like, both of those stories aren't really all that honest about your struggle. One of them is I'm bad, so we're going into shame. And the other one, we're going into blame. It's their fault. They're idiots. Right? If we really got honest about that, it would be like, we, you know? So what are the questions to get me into that honest place? One of them might be like, what if you believe, Diana, that everything you needed was right here inside of you? What if you believe that? What story would you know about your struggle, about being fired? If you knew that you had everything you needed right there within you, my guess is it'd be a really different story. It'd be an honest story. It would be like, I'm enough. It would be like, I didn't really, I haven't enjoyed my job for the last couple of years. You know, I lost my confidence here when this happened and I haven't been able to get it back. And I think I just need some time to catch my breath. And then I go, oh yeah, that sounds about right. You see, that's when we know we're in the rumble. Really different than that fast first draft. And it's difficult to stand up from the first draft more than it is from the rumble. Is that like the point of the book? You rise strong because you get into that. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Because I don't want somebody going into the next step with this idea that's an idea. It's not, it's not their authentic truth. Yeah. And it's so easy just to say, I'm fine. I'm moving on. I've got skills and I can go. And you can do that. I just think it's going to catch up with you. Well, my last question is, I have this theory that you can't like grow from just having one experience after another. You have to reflect on what's happening. And so people who have 
back-to-back meetings all day long, they're not actually growing because they're not giving themselves the time to rumble or ask questions about how they feel or how they've learned. How, how do you think about that in your, in your work? Yeah, I think we don't give enough credence, enough awareness to how important quiet time is, to how important our imagination is, to how important our sitting quietly musing is. There's so much wisdom in there that we're going to miss if we keep going on this fast track that most of us are on, right? And then where is the creativity? Where's the problem solving? Where are the new ideas going to come from? I don't know. And I just don't think we're meant to go this fast. So when we do, then burnout is like around the corner. You can keep going this fast if you want, but it, in my experience, will catch up with you. Candy, thank you very, very much for (laughs) a trifecta of awesome (laughs) episodes. Thank you. Jesse, I was once asked by a journalist interviewing me for something like if you could sum up your entire business theory what would you say it is and I said fail as quickly as possible <laughs> and then I was like wait that seems like a terrible business approach <laughs> just fail all the time as quickly as possible I was like that's not exactly what I meant but yes failure has so much to do with being successful in business amen and you love this book you've you love told this me book. You've gifted this book to a yes, lot of people. I gift this book to people when they go through some hard life challenges. What's your favorite thing about the book? My favorite thing about the book is the choosing to sit with your rumble and understand what's happening with the storyline you're playing out and wh- what role you play in the story. It's so good. So I had a really interesting thing happen today. I was selected for a speaking gig for a really large organization And when I asked the person in charge why they picked me, first of all, he said professional AF. He listened to two episodes, sent one to his wife. So that's fantastic. But the other thing he said is that he loved a video of mine where I share the the most painful failure that I've ever had in a startup and how it felt and how I reacted as a result. And that made him connect with me and want me to be the one to speak to his entire product organization about how to build better products so great and and that moment of vulnerability i don't know jesse have you ever had a moment where you were vulnerable which led to additional (laughs) like better business opportunities i just spoke at that conference in december and i messed up and i got off track and literally did a hair flip and made a joke i was like i'm gonna make a hair flip i'm gonna wait till the next slide and we're gonna we're gonna come around with this and then someone came up to after me and afterwards and was like do you want to speak this other thing like what I just messed up in the middle of that. That was amazing. <laughs> what? Did you see the thing? You literally I saw me mess up on the spot. I did a hair flip. Are you kidding? It was, yeah. That's awesome. Talk about it. Just Failure makes us better. Right there. It's part of the human condition, man. Well, I think that in season three, we gear the episode much more towards this topic. Definitely. That professional AF becomes about getting much better at being wrong and getting back up. And I want to empower as many people as I can to keep keep doing it. I love it. So if you want to continue the conversation with Jesse and I, if you think that is a horrible direction for the show, <laughs> please visit our Facebook fan page for the show, Professional AF Podcast Insiders, where we post all kinds of professional AF failures, uh, both ours and, and listeners from the show. And we talk about each one of the episodes. We'd love to see you there. 
I am Diana Kander here with Jesse Jacob, reminding you that curiosity is your superpower and the secret to getting over whatever is happening to you. Talk to you soon. 